Welcome to The Solution. This is an, an AA speaker series meeting in which we discuss the 12 steps of the program of recovery. For 12 weeks, we have a speaker sharing their experience, strength, and hope of the AA 12 steps. Our speaker for this series is Mike Chase. Can we get a warm welcome? Hi, guys. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Mike Chase. And I think somehow we're going to finally end up in step three tonight. We'll, we'll see what happens on that. Um, and I guess in order to get to step three, um, we have to really know that we're alcoholic. We have to have an understanding that perhaps this power that we have no understanding is going to do something for us. And um, we can't have too many old ideas and beliefs blocking me from a whole new way of life. Now, I want to start off with, we just read how it works the way that uh, how it works was changed. Originally, it had a whole different context to it and sounded a whole lot different. The story behind it was um, Bill W. You know, had gotten together with the other alcoholics and they're writing the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it was a group project, 42 other recovered alcoholics and their family members and other people, you know, around up to 100 people. We're putting things together, sending them to Bill. Bill was going to be the final, you know, editor. And then once he edited, he had to go send it out to everybody else for them to look at it and come up to a final agreement. And um, he's been working on this thing for a while. And they've got the doctor's opinion. You know, Dr. Silkworth had jumped up and said, here, I'll write something for you guys. This is great. Don't use my name. You know, because we weren't really set yet. So he, he told us, don't use my name because I don't want to get kicked out of the medical profession. So they went that route. Um, he got uh, more about alcoholism written. They had gotten a solution written. Of course, he got Bill's story written and some other parts. But they're getting this thing put together, and they had not come up with a how it works, which is like the most important part of our program. You know, the first 48 pages is designed to help you understand what it is to be an alcoholic, what this thing is that you're getting involved into, and what a whole spiritual experience is about, considering that a bunch of us come into this room have really no good relationship with God at this time. Well, most of us and a lot of us. There's a lot of people come today that have really good relationships with God. So they're trying to figure out how to write this how-to for a how-to program. So what's happening is Bill's sitting at home. Imagine this. He's sitting in the dining room with a bunch of his other buddies, and they're, you know, doing some brainstorm, and all of a sudden somebody says, you know, this sort of sucks. We don't have a how-to for the how-to book. How are we going to handle this? Well, there's this one guy who's just this famous famous atheist who was, like, working, hanging out with the, the, the gang at that time, and he says, well, we better leave God out of this because God's not going to sell. This is the age of science, so let's just sort of, like, leave God out of this whole little program here. And um, they didn't know, but Lois had snuck in the back door, and she was in the kitchen getting stuff ready. She's on, she's on the stove, getting all of a sudden she hears this, let's leave God out of this, and she freaks. She slams the pot on the stove, and they just hear this, like, crash in the kitchen. She comes flying through these doors and starts pointing her fingers in their faces. You're going to drink. You forgot who got you sober. You're going to drink, and you're going to drink. This is, ah, and she freaks, and she's looking at Bill going, like, you're going to drink. You forgot who got you sober. And she storms and she says, get out of my house. And the, the cockroaches with the light. All these little alcoholics go screaming out of the house. Lois was freaking, you know. Bill's sitting there just, you know, and Lois runs up the stairs, slams the door. And Bill's just like, what the? He didn't want to get her upset when he was using and drinking. But now he's supposedly connected to God and all this stuff. And he's never heard her, seen her hurt so bad. So he just sort of goes, he's got this little office underneath the stairwell. You know, he goes and meditates and does his writing. 
So he goes in there, you know, Lois is up there, the door slammed, it's like the house is on fire, you know. And he just sits down and just starts doing some meditation. And he's just sitting there, meditating. And all of a sudden he just gets up, crawls over a couple feet to his little desk, takes out a piece of paper, and then just writes how it works. And it's just speed. You ever did have those English teachers that say, just write anything that comes out, you don't plan it. That's, this is sort of like what happened to him. He just wrote how it works, and like 15, 20 minutes later, boom. How it works was finished. The entire area, the entire chapter that we need for how it works was done in one seating. And he looked at it and he was like impressed. Well, first of all, there's 12 steps instead of six steps, but he thought that's okay. You know, 12 apostles, 12, that's fine, we can deal with that. But he's looking at this thing and he doesn't even really remember writing it. He just knows he started and he finished it. So he goes and he takes this to these other guys, you know, these other guys are looking at it and they're going like, uh, Bill. What's this must? What's this on your knees? What's, well, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read the original for you guys. Unless, yes, it hasn't died. Now, anybody who's been in AA enough can probably, if you can probably do how it works by yourself, you know, by, by memory, which is sort of scary when you think about it. See, if we're not a culprit, we can remember stuff like that, right? How it works. This is the original version. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our directions. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a way of life which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those, too, who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. If you've decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to follow directions. At some of these, you may balk. You may think you can find an easier, softer way. We doubt if you can. With all earnest at our command, we beg of you, to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. You notice a little tone different than the one we have today? Remember that you are dealing with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for you. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. You must find him now. Half measures availed you nothing. You stood at the turning point. Throw yourself under his protection and care with complete abandon. Now we think you can take it. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as your program of recovery. So as he's writing these steps, this is sort of a past tense of what they did in a general way with a couple extra steps thrown in there. First, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Second, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Third, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care and direction of a God as we understood him. Fourth, made a searching and fearless moral inventory. Fifth, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Sixth, we are entirely willing that God remove all these defects. Seventh, humbly on our knees, asked him to remove our shortcomings, hiding nothing back. Eighth, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make, get this, complete amends to them all. <laughs> Ninth, made direct amends to such people when, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Tenth, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleventh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelfth, I like this one. Having had a spiritual experience as a result of this course of action, we tried to carry this message to others, especially alcoholics, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. You may exclaim, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after have been designed to sell you three pertinent ideas. A, that you're alcoholic and cannot manage your own life. B, that probably no human power can relieve your alcoholism. And C, that God can and will. If you're not convinced of these vital issues, you ought to reread the book to this point or else just throw it away. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you're a therapist, you know? And it's like, oh, you can't be telling people what to do, you know? That's, you're going to chase people away with that type of stuff. You know, they're just not, you know, we're, we're touchy, we're feely, we're not good. No, don't tell me what to do. Well, these guys are saying the exact same thing to Bill. It's like, Bill Olson, what's 12 steps? We had six. What's this? On my knees? I'm not going to do that. And you're telling you and must. And they're freaking out. You know, Bill's like, hey, don't blame me. Talk to the big guy. Because he really believed that this was directly written by him, by God, you know, for him to have, have out there. And Bill's thought behind this is, we're going to have 57 pages that's going to convince that person in Broken Toe, New Mexico, that he's an alcoholic. There's no hope, and if he doesn't get God in his life pretty darn quick, he's going to drink himself to death. So he's not really concerned about hurting people's feelings or being politically correct. You're going to frickin' die. So this is what you need to do. And there was this fighting and infighting, and, and it was just going on, and finally just got to the point where Bill says, screw it, I, I'm over this arguing, I'm over this back and forth stuff. I'm not going to change it. If, you, if you're going to make me change it, I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. And they came up with this really cool, actually, they said, Bill, what would we have to do for you to change it? And he said, I'll make some of the changes you recommend. And believe me, you look at the original manuscript, which I have some copies of, and it looks like one of my term papers is read all over it. Change this and change this. And he softened it up a little bit like they did. But his agreement was, listen, just leave me alone on the rest of the book. You know, for into action and working with others, I don't want to... You know, listen, I just want to finish it and get it done. So he, they, they argued a little bit, and they said, okay, Bill, you can finish that part of the book, but you know, soften this part. So Bill took the must, the use, the have tos out of how it works. But once, if you guys stick around long enough, in, into action and working with others, he puts them right back. <laughs> you know, he's not dumb. He's got, and Bill knows it. You know, it's like he just had to soften up. Group conscious is fantastic. You know, but you got 67 alcoholics and the family members all throwing the stuff into the mix. He was really upset the fact that they pretty much sort of like took God's directions and changed it so dramatically. Um, that's what happened to me. You know, we talked about, I talked about, you know, my first time in AA, sober 80, got sober 84, white light experience, you know, didn't really have to struggle to get AA. I didn't even have to struggle with the third step because I didn't know what a third step was because I didn't have to do it. One, one night I went to bed and I was just this obsessed, drug addict, alcoholic, you know, 
Next morning, I woke up. The obsession had been left, you know, and I had this shift of mentality. And I was just this loving, caring, annoyingly compassionate guy for about a year and a half, you know. So I didn't have to go through the struggles of the third step. You know, so I'm running through Alcoholics Anonymous, contemporary Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 and 12 Alcoholics Anonymous, just sort of like being a social, psychological babble guy, sharing my feelings and my rough days and everything on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, not really concerned about too many other people. Because I never really finished the rest of the step process because it was never ingrained in me that the steps were the process of recovery. I had gotten it in a rehab, and actually the rehab didn't get me sober. The white light experience and the rehab just kept me busy for 30 days. Um, <laughs> and I dealt with some issues. You know, I came out to my parents. That was fun. You know, and I talked about my financial obligations I had to my family. But I never really picked up on what the process of AA was. You know, back in the 80s, it was huggy, huggy, feely, you know, sweat lodges, um, 12 and 12 with Sheriff, feeling my knowledge about all, all this stuff that really had nothing to do with but the program that's found in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, on a weekly basis, yeah, every three or four weeks, I get the opportunity to you know, bring somebody through the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, starting on page zero, we get these guys coming in. I get, I get some guys from the wild. They've never been in a rehab before. They don't have the faintest idea. They're just, like, freaking out about the fact that they got to quit drinking or they're going to lose their job. I love this in AA. That you get these people that say, I went to detox because I wanted to. I wasn't forced to, you know? It's like, <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't forced to. I didn't get back sober because my life was going good and the party and the drugs were working. It's like, I wasn't, like, court-ordered. Um, I was sort of job order, but not really. He told me, just don't get caught. Um, my boss specifically said, just pick up a white chip every once in a while, but don't make a big deal out of it. And just like, so I had this really stumbling back back into Alcoholics Anonymous. A lot of so-called social psychological babble. But I've got this opportunity to sit down in the book with Alcoholics Anonymous and starting on page zero. And that's the magic of this program that's found in the book. There's this... There's this pristine relationship that develops between the recovered alcoholic and an unrecovered alcoholic. You know, the first time we meet, it's sort of like this. It's like, okay, this guy's sort of, well, me, I'm old, I'm, and I'm wearing plaid, you know, and sort of goofy, and you got this other guy just sort of like, yeah, he's okay. Might, and, and, and as the time goes by, every time we go through another chapter, you know, we read the doctor's opinion, which is fantastic stuff in there. Because I never even knew what it was to be an alcoholic for 15 years. I always thought it was because of, I had a behavioral issue because I didn't act out appropriately. I knew I just went to the booze because I felt bad, you know. We find out about the phenomenon of craving, you know, this, this, this chemical reaction that takes place with heroin, if you're one of those guys, or alcohol or whatever drug you take. I'm finding nowadays that, but matter of fact, just out of fun, who's never done a drug and is an alcoholic? The world is changing, you know. It's changed a lot. There's this guy at, the, at this speaker I heard a couple months ago, and he was talking from the podium. I hope I don't screw it up too much. And he said, you know, I did a lot of drugs. And he says, I find that a lot of alcoholics enjoy doing drugs. It's, they just do. And then he looked at the rest. And if you guys haven't done any yet, too late. You can't have any more. But you missed out on some good stuff. <laughs> and all the old people were like, oh, quiet. You know, but the uh, fact of the matter is we have a lot of things. You know, I was talking to some guy who did a couple Percocets once, and he got this stuff sucks, and he never did it again. And he just does alcohol, you know. For some reason, we got this chemical makeup that we have an emotional, you know, what do you call it, spiritual malady that life sucks, and we need to find something to fill that hole, you know. 
sports in junior high didn't do it, band didn't do it, you know, art class didn't do it, you know, drama didn't do it. All of a sudden, some little buckaroo gives you a pop off of you know some blackberry brandy, and it's like, wow, you find it, right? Or you take a puff, or you take a pill, whatever that stuff. You find that solution that starts to fill that hole. You know, I was raised Christian, and I had this whole growing up in nursery school and Bible study and confirmation and. Uh, that wasn't really filling my hole for some reason because I didn't really grasp what this whole Christian thing that my parents were trying to pass on to me, you know. Um, I thought I believed it, but I didn't believe it. But boy, when I started socially drinking when I was six years old, like I've mentioned in the past, I found my spiritual purpose in life, you know. I just loved that. I was thinking about that earlier today. You know, the first couple of times I went drinking, six or seven years old, my mom's having a dinner party, and I sneak a little drink out of somebody in nowhere. Next thing you know, I think I'm Dean Martin out there singing, dancing in front of them all, you know, entertaining the place. And they're just, oh, he's so cute. It's like, oh, I'm getting drunk. This is fun, you know. And once again, you know, didn't progress. Um, I had my spiritual experience. You know, who needs God? You know, this, the, the, the drugs were working. The alcohol was working. Um, throwing a couple you know, sex sprees and some stealing sprees. And, you know, this stuff was going pretty good for me for a lot of years. 84 got sober. Had to get sober. Had no choice. Boom, get sober. I had wanted to get sober because besides all those fun times, I had a lot of suicide <coughs> attempts because this wonderful solution I had found stops working. The sprees, after a while, stop working, and it's like, this is just, I want to die. Um, I wake up in the morning after a run, and it's like, crap, I'm alive, you know, just this misery. So when I had that white light experience, it was just amazing, it was revolutionary, and I don't want to try and describe it, it was just like, my stuff changed. You know, I had been that lying, cheating, stealing, low-life, self-centered, inconsiderate, self-serving, in-your-face, I don't care what you want, I manipulate you to you're dead, to this guy who was really sort of kind, considerate, understanding. I was into sharing. I was into being helpful. And I was just, I was your nightmare. If you were in, a, if you were in rehab and you really didn't want to be there because I was just so full of love. And let's just let out the feelings. And just they don't understand. A lot of people just told me to shut up, shut the F up. Um, so 15 years, about a year and a half of just glowing with God. And then it started to wear off, you know, because they didn't give me the instruction manual how to keep what I got, you know. And I was, I was struggling with all these Louise Hayes uh, meditations, guided meditations, uh, weekend seminars, you know, the, the, the hard experience, Est, uh, Course in Miracles, all this fun stuff. It was really fun in the 80s. And if you're not an alcoholic, you were really able to stay sober in AA back then because that stuff was working, you know. But I remember seeing lots of real people that had never had a white light experience who had not yet experienced the spiritual experience that you get out of this book. Coming and going and coming and going. And when I think of the people I knew from the 80s, let's just round number 100 people that I've known in recovery since the 80s. I know five that are still around, you know. And that's um, because they never actually found the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. They went to AA and they got some other thing which Bill was fighting to have this in the first place. So, the cheating, the lying, the stealing starts blocking me off from God again. Pick up, finally, a little after 15 years old, I picked up a beer in a bar and boom, I knew what I was missing. I, it was like my little white light experience in a bottle this time and it was just fabulous, oh, exactly what I needed. Because AA, contemporary AA at the time, wasn't working for me. wasn't giving me what I wanted. I mean, this I got in the bottle. And within four years, my roommate's arranging this, you know, this intervention thing for me. And I'm like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. 
how can I get out of it? If you're ever going to intervention somebody, don't tell them ahead of time because they'll figure out a way to sabotage it. I sabotaged it. You know, I called mom and said, Mom, I need help. I'm needing drugs and alcohol. I'm going to go back to AA. And she's like, oh, great. We're doing intervention this end of this week. And I said, well, you don't have to anymore. I'm going back to AA. woo So I got out of that. So I, but then I got stuck going to AA, which is sort of sucked. Because <laughs> I didn't want to be there. It was like, this is sort of working. Yeah, I should be sleeping. You know, four days without sleep sucks, but I was seemed great to me. My boss was sort of like, I really was, I could, had a hard time reading him, you know? Because he would, one time in a meeting, somebody said, um, what about Mike Chase's alcoholism? And he looked at me and he said, Mike Chase used to be an alcoholic, now he's just enough and drunk. And he winked at me, which I thought was, a, was, a, was him authorizing me to keep doing what I'm doing. Because it was like, I'm top salesperson, supposedly. And, and I go on and uh, go to Alcoholics Anonymous. Sat down, and it was like, ah, oh, so nice to be back. Because it was starting to suck a little bit. Well, it sucked a lot, but you know how I managed to, to rationalize it. It's fabulous. No, it sucks. It's fat. You know, it's like, as soon as I got the stuff, and I'm peeking to that point, it's like, fabulous. And then I overshoot it, and I'm like, or I'm throwing up or something like that, and I'm fighting to get So, yes, it was starting to suck a little bit. Um, but not enough to quit and go to AA. But uh, So I went in and started going to the AA meetings, and I sat down at my first meeting after roughly four plus years, and uh, I got a bunch of phone numbers and a lot of really kind people. And I, I don't want people to think that these people weren't loving and what great people. These people came up to me and offered me companionship, friendship, and love. They weren't offering me a solution. You know, they were just fellowshipping me to love, um, and I was a, I was a mess, and they, they, they would sit and talk with me and stuff like that, but they weren't bringing me the message found in the book. They were just you know, treating me with all kinds of you know, bumper stickers. You know, it's like they must have had like a little Rolodex of different one-liners to throw it in my chase, you know. Easy does it. You don't have to drink even if you want to. And my favorite, put the plug in the jug. You know, if I could have done all that stuff, I wouldn't be sitting with you people because you're not that fun. Um, <laughs> it was fun because I could share about my day. Every day, I, mean, I was one of those people that really, my job really sucks. I just, oh, I got something to share. You know, I got to talk about this guy in my office and blah blah blah. And, but I still went out and drank. You know, <laughs> it's not like, oh, if he doesn't share, he's going to drink. Well, guess what? I shared and I probably drank that night too. It was just that it wasn't working for me. So I'm in this, and I'm also, you know, sort of going through about two months of this quasi AA, not really AA, coming late, leaving early, but occasionally he's getting grabbed by people and they're like talking to me. You know, it's like. No, it's not an outside job. It's an inside job and all this fun stuff. I'm going, yeah, okay, out the door. Um, and meantime, I'm relapsing, but I'm not telling anybody I'm relapsing. I'm picking up a 30-day chip, but I actually had like 38, 38 hours, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and I met this guy. He's soon to be my great-great-grandsponsor. And he used to walk up to me and just like, this from my face, you know, like... My chase, that honesty is a bitch, isn't it? Walks away, and I was like, oh, he smells it again. Damn. Who's picking up a white chip? First, I had to make sure my sponsor wasn't in the room, you know, because I want him to be mad at me. Um, just this roller coaster come crazy. So I'm back out in the street, you know, finally says, I'm just over this, the boss. You know, what happens, you know, if everybody sort of cools down and forgets that Mike Chase has a deadly disease that's killing him, he's just got alcoholism. That's a little drinking problem type thing, you know. So everybody just sort of like forgets, and I learn how to get not get caught so much, and it starts about a year-ish later, you know, I'm in the psych ward again, and it's like, not the psych ward again, you know. Come back out, 
struggling in the meetings. This time I really want to do it because this scared the crap out of me. The night before I ended up in the psych ward, I was convinced that such and such, A, B, and C was going to happen, and I'm, I'm just going to have to kill myself. This is, I can't live like this anymore, you know? So I went to go kill myself, and I decided to have a drink first, and that's what kicked in. Phenomenon of craving, so I never bothered to kill myself. I just kept drinking. I woke up the next morning. I went to the office, and I'm, uh, I get sent home. You know, um, I wanted to quit finally. I didn't want it was going, and, and I didn't. I was really frustrated. I'm going to. I finally end up in IOP, and that's just sort of delaying my opportunity to get God in my life. You know, because it's all, why aren't you going to meetings? Why don't you have a sponsor? How come you're not going to more meetings? All this stuff with a bunch of people that are court ordered, and and I just sort of wanted to get a sponsor, but I didn't know who to get. And uh, you know, I finally got a sponsor. And uh, he started reading me through the book. And uh, once again, those people in that room, they wanted the best for me. But I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a lot of them weren't even alcoholic. A lot of them were problem-heavy drinkers that were able to stay sober on a fellowship basis or a service commitment or something like that. So they're looking at me like, hey, this works for me. You just don't drink between meetings and, you know, get a service commitment. You know, I was my general service rep for my home group and for nine months I kept relapsing every 30 days and they just said keep going you know no problem just keep doing general service it keeps you sober I'm going like not really you know I had I was the room I had so many commitments and that stuff wasn't keeping me sober um we didn't want to talk too much about God in the book in the room you know we didn't want to chase away the newcomers uh we didn't really spend too much talking about the book it was it was just basic therapy all the time and I finally got this guy who uh well my last relapse, I got busted. My, my sponsee brother called me. My, my grand, grand sponsor called me. My um, great-grand sponsor called me. And I'm freaking out. I'm thinking the AA SWAT team's going to come. And so I'm, like, doing as much as I can before they get there. And I went to uh, the meeting a couple of days later. <coughs> and I just stood up and I said, this is, you know, I knew at that point that no matter what, I'm just going to drink. I can't stop. The, the drinking's going to continue. The drugging's going to continue. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. I just gave up. It's like I'm a freaking alcoholic, and I'm going to die. And Bill talks about that, you know. It's not knowing that you should. It's knowing that you can't. It's not knowing I better get help. It's like there's no help for me. And everything that I was getting up to that point was just wasn't working for me. I thought I was going to end up as one of those multiple white chippers for the rest of my life, you know, bouncing around rooms, end up in homeless, and... What the F, you know? So I stood up in my home group, made a, had, a, had a hissy fit, and I, I, I listed off all the stupid stuff they've been telling me to do and say, none of this effing stuff is working, you know? And a couple guys, you know, that night offered to take me out for dinner, but there was that little guy in the back of the room with the not, nubby little fingers who said, Mike Chase, I'm gonna br- I'll bring you through the book if you let me. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'm dying. Everything else hasn't worked. The book. Oh, God, not the book. Okay, so the book. I'll go, okay, you know, it's cool. You know, and luckily they had these two guys that just took me out to Panera afterwards and we talking. And out in the parking lot, we dropped down to our knees afterwards and we did some prayer. And that's the first relief I really felt because I was told to pray on my knees, but I didn't. I just said, by the way, when you're working with anybody in steps one to three, how can you tell if they're lying? Usually because their lips are moving. (laughs) Most people do not have any change in steps one, two, three. It's just a lot of 
information gathering, a lot of uh, examination of my life coming to some things. So I got to do something, you know. So when I finally did that, it's like, wow, this felt good, you know. So I want to share my, um, so we started reading the book. Doctor's opinion. Oh my God, that's me. When I go out, I want more, but I always get, I, 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 that's the first time I've ever been able to say, that's me. That's why it's that. It's not because my job sucks or I'm, my dad died when I was eight or, you know, I got caught cheating in art class. You know, none of that shit. It's like I get this phenomenon of craving that kicks in, you know? And then I'm always trying to figure out what this is all about, how it relates to my life. We got Bill's story, which, you know, starts out with this guy who's got his head together, you know? Just like Bill, the first time I had my first drink, you know, I felt six feet tall. Handsome, like Fred Astaire. Mind you, I was only six years old, but I felt like that. You know, he was 22. What a late bloomer! Um, and I just see how his life progressed. Mine, because I was really good at everything I set my mind to, pretty much, except sports, because I just sucked. But everything else, I was pretty good. Well, actually, I was good at stuff. I was good at. If I had to, actually had to like practice or try, it wasn't that good. Um, so that whole discipline thing in AA just was scared the crap out of me. So in Bill's story, I was able to see that. I was able to pick up what I missed in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? 15 years in Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, and uh, I had not sponsored anyone, you know? I think somebody once asked me to sponsor him. I thought they were just hitting on me, so I sort of blew him off. I thought, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I was as miserable in Alcoholics Anonymous most of the time than when I was using those moments of suicide and stuff. Now, mind you, I had some great times when I got that new credit card with a $5,000 balance, you know. For a couple of weeks there, I'm living pretty good. And then the bill comes and, oh, crap, you know, or a date and stuff. So, so when this guy's bringing me through the book and I'm learning about, I love it when he talks, when Ebby Thatcher shows up, you know. Bill's just dying. He's, yeah, you know, drinking. And also this guy shows up. His best friend is drinking, but he looks like he just, you know, came off of a, you know, America's top. This guy looked great. He was on fire, you know. And he's offering Bill a solution via it's through God. Well, actually, no, actually, it's, it's, it's via the big JC. You know, it's not like we have today. It's like down your knees and give yourself to Jesus. That freaked the heck out of him. He wasn't going to do all that rough. But when he switched the whole concept of like, you know, Bill, I've been sitting here talking to you for like two hours now about this thing. You're just enough of you arguing with me. You just need to come up with your own conception of God, whatever it is. I don't care where you get it. You just need something because, Bill, you're going to freaking die if you don't do something about your life. And Bill's like, whoa, took a little notice. In the book where it says we don't talk to people when they're drunk, Bill must have forgot about it the first time he got Ebby Thatcher. Because he had a good little, you know, Ebby Thatcher came, Bill was on that, you know, that maintenance drunk, you know, and he had a good little buzz going on. When Ebby Thatcher did leave that night, Bill had this obsession to find that solution. So he went down to the Oxford group and he put up with all the tambourine shaking and dancing for Jesus and all that stuff they're doing, you know, to find out what it was. And the problem was he wasn't able to get it because he was still drunk. He still got that phenomenon of craving kicking. So, you know, good luck getting sober, working the steps, and you got the phenomenon of craving kicking. That's what we got detoxes for and duct tape. Just wait till that stuff passes and you'll be fine, you know? That's what it was like for me. Oh my God, I actually, you know, it just occurred to me. I got sober in the wild. Rehab, you know, that really didn't get me sober. That just got me connected to God. But then they didn't teach me how to keep the connection, so that was a waste of $14,000. <laughs> Not much back in, you know, that's what it was, $14,000 for a 28-day program at Hazleton back in 84. What's it like today, 70 or something like that? Um, and they're still selling the same stuff. Um, <laughs> matter, of fact, they, matter of fact, the stuff they're selling there is now stuck into our rooms. 
You know, Ebby Thatcher, you know, Dr. Silkworth and, and Carl Jung had two things in common. Most of the stuff that I use on you guys in a therapeutic matter doesn't work on alcoholics. You know, it works on 90% of my patients. You problem drinkers, heavy drunkers, this stuff is, this therapy is going to help you, you know? Oh, yeah, but you alcoholics, sorry, you know, you're going to die. This ain't going to work for you. Somehow that stuff's moved into our rooms and pushed the real solution out. You know, so thank God I got a guy in the book. Um, Bill W's. Finally in detox, bring him through the steps. Bam, bam, bam. You know he's been off the he's been off the psych meds for a couple of days. It was the coldest day. Speaking of coldest day, it was the coldest day that they heard in a long time. And they hear the nurses down the hall talking about it. it's like you know this is the worst weather they've ever seen. But consistently, Ebby Thatcher's been showing up and talking to him about this Oxford stuff. And Bill's you know, oh god, not the Oxford stuff, you know. But he's getting this stuff, you know. Somehow. Over the course of these days, he did the, the Oxford program, the six steps and basically, which is, in case you guys don't know what that is, hopefully I can find it, because that's always fun to be able to tell people what it is. Pardon? Yeah, but there's also up in the front. He's got a little thing in here. Where is that one? Talks about... Um, where is that? 19. Convinced. This is what the Oxford group was selling back in those days. And thank you for that. Um, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution for those harm, harmfulness to, helpfulness to others, and the necessity and belief in dependence on God. In a nutshell, that was it taking away all the Oxford specialty stuff that was involved with that. Like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling God. You know, writing stuff down. Some crazy stuff was going on there. <laughs> In, in Bill's mind, and according to me, too, I thought it was sort of wacky, but it was working, you know, and Bill W. had that experience. He had that white light experience. He did a third step without even really knowing it. All of a sudden, Ebby, you know, Ebby's there one day, and he just starts doing the work with Ebby. He's got that white light experience. Now, the first thing that comes to Bill W.'s mind, right, he's, he's, he's been a lying, cheating, stealing, low-life, self-centered, inconsiderate, self-serving, backstabbing, just like me, a typical alcoholic. First thing that come to his mind, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there are thousands of hopeless alcoholics who might be glad to have what has been so freely given to me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. That's a drastic change of thought for Bill W. And that's what this program is about, you know? This whole concept of, like, uh, the third step is, is, is just an agreement to go on with the program. You know, there's nothing spiritual about it. It's just, let's just get you through the steps. Which is a great con job, you know, you want to get somebody in who's really not sure about what's going on with them. Because when my sponsor got me to how it works, I was convinced 100% that if I don't jump on and do what's necessary to do, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be homeless. You know, this, I better get it this time because I don't want to go out like those other guys who are dying, you know. So Bill knew that, I knew that, and, we, and, the, and it's about time we start telling people how, how the, 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 this is what it's about. And the best way to do that is just read the book with them, you know, in Bill's story. But before we get to the end of Bill's story, we've already spent a page and a half talking about the God thing. You know, the whole, oh, you know, I have a problem with God and stuff like that. Well, he does a pretty good job discussing all the reasons we have that and all the old ideas and the beliefs that are blocking us from God and I'm sort of feeling a little bit better at God. I'm not completely sold on the God thing after Bill's story, but I've opened up a little bit. Those old ideas I had in kindergarten, 
up to fourth and fifth grade, which I'm 24 years old, and that's where I'm still learning. That's, that's where I'm basing my relationship on God is, you know, from a, from a toddler, a little kid in sixth, fourth or fifth grade, you know, um, trying to figure out how it is to be an adult, and I don't like God. Well, it's like, yeah, because you, last time you did anything with God was back in toddler school. Um, so we're trying to get us into a position where we have no choice, you know, and the way we do that is to honestly look at our lives. And the way we can honestly look at our lives is through the, through the eyes of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We got the Bill story, which shows what it's like, gonna ha- what happens to alcoholics, and how out of the blue, this miracle, this guy shows up out of nowhere and, and offers him a way of life, and he sort of argues with him. Then he finally goes for it, and his life changes. You know, The stuff that happens in Bill's life, you know, abandon ourselves to the enthusiasm of helping other alcoholics in their solution of the problem. You know, It's not like, let's get sober, and, well, I'll go to a couple meetings a week, because i got to get college, and you know, i got to get back to my job, and i got to go get a girlfriend and get married. You know? It's like, you just came off the deathbed. You know, you got some <laughs> stuff to do. It's, it'd be cool if you were a problem drinker, heavy drinker, have a little, you know, a little cocaine habit and stuff like that. You can do that. But if you're like one of these real alcoholics, and by the way, I'm down in the trenches, you know, this is real shit happening <laughs> nowadays, you know. I'm seeing people die. I'm seeing people going out. I, we get a lot of, you know, where I go, we get these little druggy buggies just dropping them off left and right, you know. <laughs> And there's a good number of those. Not everybody in the druggy, druggy buggy is real. You know, there's a lot of just problem folks. We've got some real ones that are thinking that they can mm-hmm. get sober on the stuff that the non-alcoholics are doing, you know, the therapy, and it's, and it's, it's, it's bloody. So we're all psyched out. You know, it's like, oh, Bill's story. I'm ready for this, you know. We got the God thing coming in, and there's a solution. We talk about where it comes from, what happens, what the whole idea is behind the God thing. It's not like one day it's like, oh, I want to be, no. No, it's like, no, there's a reason we have the God thing. is because nothing else works. And they do a really good job explaining how they've come across that information, you know. If you're a real alcoholic, that other stuff isn't going to work. Want me to quote Silky? Are you got it? <laughs> how about Carl Jung? I'll just paraphrase him. If you're an alcoholic, my therapy sucks. Okay? It's going to help you a little bit and all that, but if you're a real addict, alcoholic, <coughs> therapy is not going to do a goddamn thing for you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make life a little easier till your next run. You know, listen, if you're not praying on the knees in the morning, working some steps, reading the book with your, with your el- recovered alcoholic, every morning is just a, am I going to get effed up today? Maybe, you know. <laughs> that's what you learn and there's a solution, you know? And we understand that it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm going to be like tambourine dancing down Main Street for Jesus and stuff anymore, you know? It's like <laughs> I'm going to develop, which is what Bill was offered. That's the Oxford group stuff, you know? That's, that's what Dr. <laughs> Dr. Bob was doing up, for, up until the book came out because that's what it was based off of. Thank God the book came out and just made leveled the, 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 leveled the playing field for all of us, you know? Everybody who's got their own personal relationship with the God. So we've got this Bill story that's got me looking like, yeah, I'm one of those. Then we go into their solution, and it's like, oh, that's where it comes from. That explains this. Okay, I'm different, and these guys, and this is what it is. And Listen, Dr. Carl Jung, hmm, he sure beats that guy I just heard talking in the 5 o'clock meeting about his therapist and stuff like that. He's better than Dr. Phil and those other guys, right? This is some guy who knows what he's doing. He's the guy, you know, we got this thing called the Minnesota model, which is a psychological thing that's supposed to, like, help people. 
that too doesn't really do that much good for real alcoholics. It's the God thing continue that works. So then we got more about alcoholism. Now, the thing, the purpose of more about alcoholism is to show you. So you think you can do it on your own. Well, we're going to give you a couple examples of people who tried it on their own. It's called untreated alcoholism, folks. Going to meetings doesn't treat alcoholism. It keeps you busy. I used to call my AA jail, you know. Get up and run to a meeting. Go to a meeting at lunch. Go to a meeting afterward. Go to a meeting before you go to bed. Go to sleep. Wake up. Go to a meeting. Oh, happy life and joyous and free. No, it sucked. AA jail is not life. I got into the book, and I have a life today, which is amazing. But we learn about more about alcoholism, what it is to be an alcoholic. And basically it says, you're going to die. Here's your two choices. Go on to the bitter end, drinking yourself silly not doing what you're supposed to do, or have a spiritual experience as a result of the 12 steps found in the book and have a happy, joyous, and free life. You know, you can spend the rest of your life not drinking and be a miserable, tired, bitter, miserable person, or you can get into the real program found in the book and be annoyingly happy, connected to God, and have friends about you, and just have an amazing life. And that's what the book is selling. And that's what I know about. That's what, that's what I'm experiencing. And so then we got that, well, gosh, I'm an alcoholic, which means I'm really going to die, which means I have to have a spiritual experience. But dude, I'm still sort of screwed up about the God thing. Not sure about God, you know. So we got this whole book, We Agnostics, you know. And the whole purpose of the first 57 pages which is like, I love getting my guys, it takes about 12 hours of, in, uh, 13, 14 hours of intensive reading the book to get us up to that point, and we agnostics, and it starts off with one line. And I always like to say, you know how, you know, you sort of think I'm sort of like obsessed with this, having to read every chapter and every word and talk about the paragraphs, and they're like, yeah, I understand. I say, well, here's the reason. In the preceding chapters, we have learned something of alcoholism. We hope you have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. I hope we made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. If when you honestly want to, here's your two questions. If when you honestly want to, you cannot find, you, cannot, you find you cannot quit entirely. Or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may have be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. The book's telling me, and it's told me repeated times, if you can get sober, stay sober, and be happy, joyous, and free on a non-spiritual basis, you know, setting chairs, making coffee, go for it. You know, if, you, if jumping jacks in the morning and watching the sun comes up keeps you happy, joyous, and free, go for it. But if you're like me and the people I work with, and that shit just slowly just making your life more miserable and more miserable, we have the solution. And we've got a whole chapter about... Pulling all that silly stuff that's just blocking us from a connection to God. You know, your God, not my God, not his God. Your own relationship with your God. So you have endless power and you have this love and you have joy and purpose and reason, you know, to come through this program knowing that God's come into your life and you've been given a gift being able to take people from death through using the book, reading the book, so they can have a life beyond their wildest dreams, also be happy, joyous, and free. Mm. That is a life you must not miss. I think I paraphrased that a little bit in here. But that's true. You know, I get these little buckaroos coming in. They're just, you know, they're like shit, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Smell, ooh, you know. And after about three or four chapters, they start stressing up a little bit. They're starting to look a little bit better. Mm. They've been praying. We've been meditating. They've got God seeping in the corners and stuff like that. So when we get to we agnostics, it's like, yeah, the God thing, it's cool. I'm with it. You know, For some reason, people think we meet some guy off the street, shake the booze out of him and say, okay, we agnostics, read this. 
No, there's like a bunch of chapters before that to get them ready for we agnostics. So when you actually do come to working with other, excuse me, how it works, guess what? You're just like those guys that Bill was thinking about. This guy knows he's effed, right? Nothing's going to happen. If he doesn't get a spiritual experience pretty darn quick, he's going to be dead. There's not going to be anything to his life. So what we do is in how it works, we read the how it works, the first part, which is sort of a past tense understanding of what the guys did. If you want what they have, which is what? A spiritual relationship with a God of their understanding. Not just not drinking between meetings, not just like having this fancy-ass car. Having a relationship with God and the ability to take that and pass it to other people. That's what we were selling back in those days, and that's what people were buying, and that's what they were getting. So we spend the next page and a half talking about character defects, you know. What's been blocking me from God? Well, I'm a lying, cheating, stealing, low-life, self-centered, inconsiderate, self-serving, backstabbing, manipulative guy, you know, and, and, and that's the stuff that's blocking me from God. So if the third step purpose is to, to make me a commitment so I continue on, let's say, with four, five, six, and seven, I need to know what I'm going to be doing in step four, which is looking for character defects and shortcomings and all that stuff. So we've got three or four pages leading up to that stuff. So when you go, if you read the book and if you're well-versed, when you get to your fourth step, you know what to look in the fourth step. It's not like you finish your fourth step and go like, holy cow, I'm, I'm not good, you know? I'm a, look at that, I'm manipulative, you know? It's like, I used to work in a gas station, and they, they, the big mistake, they let me do inventory. So I knew everything I stole, you know? So I would like, I'd see six candy bars, and they'd go, 14. I'd see, uh, I, I smoke Newport, I'd see six packs of Newport, nine, you know? And it's just... So we can't, so it's important to know what you're looking for, not to cheat like I was back. But that was me untreated. Um, so we read how it works, get an idea of what it's about, and it says three questions: Are you alcoholic? Do you think this is going to work? Do you have any hope? And the best part, you know, we read how it works all the time, which sucks in meetings because you get this newcomer coming <laughs> off the street, just fried pie, doesn't have the faintest idea of what's going on. Also, we throw this crap at him, what he's got to do. He's like, so not ready for that. It's like, what is that stuff, you know? <laughs> How it works is on page 58 for a reason. We've got a lot of stuff leading up to it, so when we get to it, we understand it, and we're cool with it, and we can walk with it, you know? Rather than having to slam in our face or belittled or, oh, God, there we go, reading how it works again, you know? It's like, it's not the directions. The first part, the part we're reading and how it works isn't the direction. It's what they did in a past tense general kind of way. And the way it ends up, this is... This is so cool. If you're going to read how it works, at least end with this, right? Being convinced, we're at step three, which is we decide to turn our will, which is our thinking and our life, which is our actions, over to the care of God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? Meeting's open, right? Tell them what needs to be done. Tell them what we got to do. You know, if you're going to do that thing, at least lead them with, well, I had a really bad day and I got to share it. No, shut up. What did you do to get sober? <laughs> Sorry. I was one of those guys. I was like, oh, my, my phone's worse than yours, you know? And then I go and drink. Um, the, first requirement, <laughs> the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run in self-will can hardly be a success. What's blocking me from God? Remember, this is all subtraction. The steps is all subtraction. Everything that's blocking us from God, we're taking, ripping it out, throwing it away, moving it away, so we can at once walk, you know, in 
hand in hand with God, feeling comfortable, feel that love going through us, you know. So we go through, they teach us about this, the character defects, which we're going to deal with in 5, 6, and 7, by the way. The reason 5, uh, step 6, and 7 are two, only two little teeny paragraphs is because from page 60 to page that, it's all 6 and 7. It's all 5, 6, and 7. Remember, step 3 doesn't have an amend in it, you know. Mm-hmm. So what I do with my guys... We read through this thing. We get up. We First of all, we talk about what it is to have God in your life, right? As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and hereafter. We were reborn. Or, I'll offer you this. We were having trouble with personal relations. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were afraid of misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness and we were full of fear and we were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be a real help to any other people. So, I'm a recovering alcoholic, which means I haven't really done the steps, which means I'm not fully connected to God. And that's where you're living, untreated alcoholism or recovered <laughs> through the steps and you have a third step promises. So the way that I do it with my guys, you know, we, I, we read all the way down. It's like, for some reason, people think when you come to page 63 in the prayer, prayer time no it's you read through the prayer discuss it a little bit because this is a major decision this is and this is all based off of this isn't like i just met you in the parking lot and we did a third step prayer in you know starbucks Woo-hoo, you know show everybody how cool we are um <laughs> there's been a lot of thought and conversation and discussion you know in, in chapter five which means i've had six chapters three hours 18 20 hours one-on-one conversation with my sponsees you know they know what's happening this isn't like some oh god out of the blue they know that they need this and they're going to do this. And it has this one line. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Not a doorknob. Okay? <laughs> Not the process. This is a God-related process. Alcoholics Anonymous is a spiritual program with your own conception and your own belief structure around God. Are you tired of being a untreated alcoholic? <laughs> I, I probably, probably not to swear because I don't like to swear that much. I love to swear, but I can't. Um, or do you want to walk hand in hand in the spirit of God, happy, joyful, and free? Because if you want that other stuff, you know, there's plenty of go to rehab, you know, and just avoid the guys with the books. Oh, there's that book guy. Walk away, run from him. He's going to have me doing book stuff. This is all about God. And this is just the beginning. Realizing if you don't do this, you're going to die. By the way, I always tell my guys, um, if you want and you decide, if you come up to me someday and say, you know, this whole happy, joyous, and free stuff sort of sucks, I'm miserable, you know, everybody's just happy, and it's like, you know, I'll sit down and pray to get your obsession back with you, you know, if you want to go back out there, I'll sit with you, we'll say, God, give him back his obsession for all that crap, you know, and they're like, oh, cool, really? Okay, I'll do the first step, you know? Um, God has changed my life in ways that I cannot begin to talk about, you know? And it all started because one guy took time from his day to sit down and spend a few hours with me reading the book, sharing his experience and the experience found in the book. He didn't give me assignments. He didn't give me a bunch of books to fill out. He didn't give me a bunch of stuff to do. We did what the book said to do when the book told us to do it. We knew off from day one that this is going to be a God thing. And guess what? You're going to be sponsoring people in 35 days-ish, maybe 25, depends how quick we can meet. Because if you're a real alcoholic, you're not going to want to sit on the sidelines watching everybody else doing all this good stuff, waiting a year before you can sponsor somebody. Like you're going to pick up wise knowledge in a year doing nothing. No. 
This is about getting people connected to God. And the reason we have a book is because it gives us specific, repeatable directions. There's no reason to change the recipe. What works, works. Clarence Snyder had success rates of 70, 80, 90% because all they did was read the book. They had guys with a week or two sober who weren't even into doctors or weren't even into more about alcoholism reading the book with other guys. And these guys were staying sober and the book works. And then we had therapy come in and screw it all up. So, <laughs> by the way, if you need therapy, get therapy, right? You know, if, you, if your foot's broken, go to a foot doctor. If you're an alcoholic, come to Alcoholics Anonymous. We have a solution. It's called the Big Book. Thank you so much. God bless you guys.